0: Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the OBS pod is for you. Episode 111, travel. It's holiday season, and cheerfully... This year, it seems some of us will get a holiday. I know the pandemic isn't over, but travel restrictions and the difficulties of travel over the last few years certainly seem to be diminishing. Of course, holidays aren't the only reason women travel. Some women travel regularly for work, And some women travel because they need to visit family that are abroad. So there are multiple reasons why a woman might turn up to her healthcare professional and ask for advice about travel in pregnancy. So here goes. I thought I'd talk about a few of the issues. I guess the first thing to consider is Which stage of pregnancy is the best time to travel? Traditionally, we tend to focus on the second trimester. In the first trimester, up to 12 weeks, it's much more common to unfortunately have a miscarriage. And travelling, either the journey itself or being away from home, is not a great time to experience bleeding, pain and the loss of a pregnancy. We tend to recommend first trimester, stay home, sit tight, wait for that scan at the end of the first trimester, make sure everything is going well, and then plan to perhaps travel after that. Second trimester, typically, we talk about from 12 weeks to 28 weeks. And this is the best window in terms of if your pregnancy is straightforward to think about travelling. Once you get to 28 weeks in the third trimester, of course, you can still travel. But some of the pregnancy complications tend to occur in the third trimester. So there's more chance of an unforeseen problem developing from 28 weeks onwards. This might be problems with the growth of your baby, problems with your blood pressure, gestational diabetes, obstetric cholestasis, many of the topics that I've already covered in the podcast. In addition to the fact pregnancy complications are a bit more common, we're increasing the numbers of appointments when we'd like to see you and check in on you and your baby. And this is so we can pick up those complications. So ideally we recommend sticking to the second trimester but of course for some women this simply isn't possible. I've had women who need to travel a lot for their jobs and I appreciate now with the advent of much more virtual working this may become less necessary but I've certainly had women who need to do regular day trips or trips of several days to places in Europe during their pregnancy. And many of them will continue this way beyond 28 weeks. And then there's family. If you've got family living abroad, and for example, you haven't seen them for a long time and you need to go and visit, or there's an unforeseen family emergency, an illness, a bereavement, then obviously travel at that point in pregnancy may be important to you and may be perfectly safe. Once you've considered the stage of pregnancy you're at, you then also need to consider why are you are going? Is it worth it? And where are you going? And what would be the worst case if something happened? While you're away, a holiday before you have your baby may be absolutely lovely. But in the unforeseen situation that you have a pregnancy complication or even worse, a preterm baby in a foreign country, you need to think through in that worst case scenario what is the healthcare like in the place you're going? How difficult would it be for you to get home? Will your travel insurance cover the care of you and your baby? It may sound very melodramatic, but on occasion, we do have women ring us asking for help and support when in actual fact, yes, their pregnancy care was with us, but unfortunately, a complications happened when they're on holiday and they're thousands of miles away asking for our help and advice. And that's a desperately difficult situation to be in. Then, of course, there is what happens to your antenatal care. Some of the tests and checks performed in pregnancy are performed at a very specific number of weeks for a reason. And yes, we can shift them around a little bit, a week here or there without adversely affecting your care. But if you're going to be away for a considerable period of time at a key point, we may suggest that you access healthcare wherever you're visiting. For example, the anomaly scan, the 20 week scan, it's really important that that is performed between about 18 and 22 weeks. There are certain key pieces of information both to do with the development of the baby and also measurement of the uterine artery dopplers, the blood flow to the womb, that can only be performed at that specific gestation. So if you are going away and you've got flexibility in when you're going, try and schedule a little bit around your appointments rather than moving your appointments around your trip. Of course, we will help you if you absolutely do need to go away, but it's worth asking your doctor or midwife if it makes much difference at what week that particular check is performed. The other key important thing is take your handheld notes with you. Even if you think nothing is going to happen, and you're not going to need them. Having them with you gives any health professional you're going to see in an emergency situation key information about you and your pregnancy to date. In the advent of digital notes, this may of course become a lot easier. It may be an app on your phone. But for the moment, if you've got paper handheld notes, pop them in your suitcase don't forget them. They're an essential packing item. If you're travelling a bit later in pregnancy, particularly after that 28-week mark, and if you're planning to get on an aeroplane, you are most likely to need what's called a fit-to-fly note. This is a note from your doctor or midwife, usually within a week or two of travelling Stating when your baby is due, how pregnant you are and that there's no reason, no complication why you wouldn't be fit to get on an aeroplane. In most cases, your doctor or midwife will be very happy to do this for you. And it's quite a useful tool because if they do have some concerns about you and they're not very happy to give you a fit to fly, note, then absolutely should be reconsidering whether you need to make this journey. It's very difficult when women and families put the onus on us to say whether they should or shouldn't travel. It's very difficult when a woman comes and says, I've got a trip booked, I'm really looking forward to going to X or I'm going to Y's wedding It's a big family event. Should I go? It's very difficult for us as fellow human beings to shatter your plans and tell you not to do something. We will, of course, do it. And sometimes it's obvious you can have a conversation and the woman herself will see from what you're saying that actually, really, it's not a great plan. But sometimes I'm astonished that I will go through a number of risks and problems and things that I'm worried about. And then the woman leaps to the opposite conclusion that I think it's absolutely fine for her to jump on a plane. And then is shocked and sometimes even argues with me when I suggest that really given the number of risk factors and complications or problems that i really wouldn't advise it try not to put us in that position where we're telling you no we won't give you a fit to fly letter we don't think it's a good idea try and hear the information we're giving you and try and come to your own conclusion it's your body it's your baby we can't tell you what to do, it's true. But we equally can't be irresponsible and put you and your baby at risk of a complication on an aeroplane at 30,000 feet, perhaps jeopardising the entire flight, as well as risking your health and that of your baby. Sometimes women ask us because they kind of already know in their heads that that's the answer and they just need confirmation and that's fine. Let's start to think a little about the journey itself. What risks does it pose? Well, if we start with air travel, it very much depends long haul or short haul. Any woman in pregnancy has a slightly higher risk of blood clots, known as VTE, venous thromboembolism. And if you're sat on a plane in quite cramped conditions for a number of hours, you're sedentary, your risk of blood clots is going to be a bit higher, especially if you're taking a long-haul flight and sitting in economy but there's plenty you can do to mitigate the risks. You can purchase some flight socks. You can make sure you drink plenty. If you're well hydrated, that reduces your chances of a blood clot. You can get up and walk around. Walk up and down the aisle, stand by the window, do some stretches. You know the exercises that are frequently in the onboard magazine. In addition to all these things, you could take aspirin. Many women are on aspirin anyway during pregnancy to try and prevent preeclampsia or growth problems for the baby. So starting aspirin maybe a week before your trip, taking it through your trip and for a week after, it makes your blood a little bit less sticky and therefore reduces the risk of blood clots. For some women that have a higher chance of VTE, if I know they're going to take a long haul flight, increasing their risk dramatically, I might actually give them some injections of something called deltaparin or fragmin to thin the blood more. It would be unusual for me to do this, but in some situations where travel is absolutely necessary, And I'm concerned about the risk sufficiently. I will prescribe this for before, during and after the trip. The other issue with air travel is that of radiation. Cosmic radiation levels are slightly higher in an aeroplane than they are on the ground. Because the atmosphere is thinner. The dose is small and less than having a chest x-ray. But I always find it interesting that women that are petrified of having an x-ray during pregnancy will get on a plane without a second thought. The radiation is very unlikely to cause complications for you or your baby, but it is something to be aware of if you're taking a lot of flights, or perhaps you work, in the aviation industry. Of course not all journeys are by plane. You may be taking a long car journey. For example I've had women driving up to Scotland or down to Cornwall and sitting cramped in a car for five or six hours. That is equivalent to a long-haul flight. So the same measures apply. Drink plenty Consider wearing flight socks. Get up and move around. Well, of course, one can't do that in a car, but in a car one can stop. So take regular rests. Stop at a service station. Get out. Walk around. And in this way, very simply, you can reduce your chances of a complication. The final thing you need to consider when travelling in pregnancy is what are the chances of problems at the destination relating to the destination itself? For example, are you travelling somewhere where you need a specific travel vaccine? Or are you travelling somewhere where malaria is present? I'm not able to give comprehensive travel advice on these issues. You'd need to see a travel health specialist to answer these questions specifically dependent on your destination. But they're important things to consider because we take for granted what we need to do in pregnancy for where we are in the world. Not considering what additional health factors may become relevant if we travel to another area of the world where different illnesses, and particularly infections, are present. And whilst Zika virus did not seem to more broadly cause the massive concerns that were originally worried about in South America, certainly there is a lesson there about what you may inadvertently be exposing you and your baby to if you travel to other parts of the world. What's today's zesty bit? I think for healthcare professionals, it's referring women to the good guidance that is available from the RCAG and the NHS about travelling in pregnancy And not being afraid to tell women and families that actually they need to think about their plans. Remember that looking after a woman during the course of her pregnancy may well, in a holistic way, need to contain advice about travel. Whether that's holiday, visiting relatives, In this country or abroad, nine months is quite a chunk of time and it's our responsibility to make sure that women are aware of the advice and help them travel in a safe and responsible way. If you're a pregnant woman listening to this and you're planning a trip, think carefully about what stage of pregnancy, how necessary is the trip and What are the pros and cons? What's the worst case scenario? And make sure that you can do it in the safest possible window of pregnancy. Both trying to minimise complications for you and the baby. But also making sure you're receiving uninterrupted antenatal care. Because it's there for a reason to make sure that your pregnancy is as safe as it possibly can be. Do ask the people caring for you for advice, but don't put them on the spot, expecting them to tell you whether you should or shouldn't travel. You're an adult. You need to take their advice, consider what they're telling you, And be responsible for your health and that of your baby. So on that note, happy holidays. If you happen to be traveling away, travel safely. I very much hope you found this episode of the Obspod interesting. If you have, it'd be fantastic. If you could subscribe, rate and review on whatever platform you find your podcasts, as well as recommending the OBS pod to anyone you think might find it interesting. There's also tonnes of episodes to explore in my back catalogue from clinical topics, my career and journey as an obstetrician and life in the NHS more generally. I'd like to assure women I care for that I take confidentiality very seriously And take great care not to use any patient identifiable information unless I have expressly asked the permission of the person involved on that rare occasion when it's been absolutely necessary. If you found this episode interesting and want to explore the subject a little more deeply, don't forget to take a look at the programme notes where I've attached some links. If you want to get in touch to suggest topics for future episodes, you can find me at the ObsPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can email me theobspod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.